So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, you hear this term a lot, it is finished. So the question I want to propose to you is what was finished when he said that? Um, John 19.30 is where you find it. Uh, you only find it in John, uh, where he says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Okay, so he's on the cross. There at his crucifixion, he drinks the vinegar. He says, It is finished. And then he gives up the ghost. question. That's, that's the question that I'm proposing. What was finished if he had not yet died? Uh, so this is a popular phrase in Christianity, and it is often meant to indicate right, Christ did all the work necessary for our salvation. Right? The finished work of Christ, which is true. Uh, he did do all the work. Right? He died, resurrected, so that uh, we could have eternal life. Right? He died for our transgressions for our iniquities, and he was raised again for our justification, as it says in Romans 4, right? That's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, right? So we say, trust the finished work of Christ. Um, so what does this phrase mean uh, if Jesus had not yet died, right? Uh, so we know he was saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, right? It says that, uh, in the work of Christ on the cross for us, right? Um, and we only know this by Paul's epistles. Okay, if you don't have Paul's epistles, you don't find you're saved by grace through faith alone in the death of our resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. Okay, you won't find that outside of Paul's epistles. Okay, so the issues with this phrase are as follows. Uh, as was just pointed out, when Jesus said that, uh, it is finished, he had not yet died. Okay, let alone resurrected. It happens three days after his death. Uh, this is the issue, right? So he says it is finished right here on the cross. Uh, it's buried in the tomb. Right, so he dies. He's buried. And then three days later is when he resurrects. So today it makes common sense. No one says, well, my supper's finished, and then I'm going to proceed to eat Right. I eat it, and then I say, it is finished. All right. So it would make more sense if he said, it is finished, when he ascended into heaven. All right. It is finished, I'm ascending into heaven now. All right. But he didn't say it there, he said it here on the cross, before he had yet died. Right. So that is the issue. Uh, another issue is that Jesus had not yet revealed the gospel of grace. Right. Uh, he didn't do this until a later time when he revealed it. To Paul. Right, so we've covered these verses many times, but Galatians 1.11, Paul says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? And so Paul was given this gospel that was revealed to him by Jesus Christ. He didn't receive it from any man, and he couldn't receive it from any man because no man had been given that gospel. Right? That's why he could not get it from a man. He had to get it directly from Jesus Christ because it is progressive revelation. Um, Christ revealed to Paul the purpose of his death and resurrection for this age of grace. Right? Uh, Romans 16.25, this is why Paul refers to the gospel he preached as my gospel. Right? It's not that Paul came up with it. Um, it's that it was given to Paul right, to proclaim. 
Romans 16.25, Paul says, Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel, right? And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. All right, so it's my gospel. It's according to Jesus Christ, uh, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.17, Paul says, uh, a dispensation of the gospel was committed unto him. Uh, Ephesians 6.19, he refers to it as uh, the mystery of the gospel. Right? So there was a secret of the gospel. Uh, we read in our Q&A session, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2.7, where it talks about God purposed the cross before the foundation of the world, but it was not known by the princes of the world, or else they would not have crucified the Lord of Lord. And he says we speak the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery, which is now revealed. Right? He's talking about the purpose of the cross here. So the first issue is that Christ had not yet died, but alone resurrected, and he said it is finished. The second issue is he revealed this gospel of grace to Paul first. Uh, and if you go by historical uh, theory, this was 36 AD when Paul was saved on the Damascus Road. And the resurrection, they say, they believe happened in, or the crucifixion, 29 A.D. So what you have here is seven years before it's right, So it's finished when it hadn't yet happened, and it's finished when it hadn't yet been revealed, seven years later. So I say it's an issue because what you then have is either Jesus is saying it's finished, he's talking about this work here, but it's still a secret, right? But then it's like, well, what's finished? Right? We've got to figure that out. You think people would try to make that connection. Um, so this is a, another issue. It's not revealed for seven years later after his crucifixion when it's revealed to Paul. Uh, and again, that's the gospel of the grace of God, his death and resurrection, when Jesus' earthly ministry was to the circumcision. Right? Uh, Matthew 15, 24. And so when Jesus said it is finished, he's still performing right, the ministry on earth that he was sent to do. Right? He's still in his fleshly body. Right? He's not even in his glorified body because he hasn't died or resurrected yet. Matthew 15, 24, it says, But he answered and said, I am not sent, but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? And so Jesus says he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul, in Romans 15, verse 8, he says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to conform, uh, confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Right? So Jesus Christ was a minister to the circumcision, right, to the Jews, to the nation of Israel. Whereas Paul was commissioned to go to all the heathen, right, to the Gentiles, to all nations, Jew and Gentile, who uh, were uh, lost, right? And so it's not to Gentiles who primarily make up the body of Christ today, right, in this uh, dispensation. Um, the body of Christ is neither Jew nor Gentile. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile. Galatians 3, 28 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Right? This is the body of Christ, 
uh, you're saved by this uh, gospel of grace, the death of Christ, Jesus Christ. Your faith is in that alone, and you're placed into this body, right? No Jew or Gentile. And so the point I'm trying to make, the issue here is Jesus is still in this flesh. All right, his ministry is still to the circumcision. He has not yet died and resurrected, and he hasn't even revealed it. Right, that's seven years later before he revealed it. So how can he mean this is finished, and it's still not happening? Right, it's still yet future. Um, so that's what we want to talk about uh, today. If you go to Luke 2, 42 through 50, when Jesus comes to earth in the flesh, and he's 12 years old, he understands the purpose that he came uh, to fulfill. In Luke 2, verse 42, it says, when he, speaking of Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the festival of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee uh, sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. All right, so you have this story where Joseph and Mary go to Jerusalem. Uh, they're returning from Jerusalem. They think Jesus is with some of their kinsfolk in the company. So when they go looking for him, they find he's not there. It takes them three days to find him. And finally they find him in Jerusalem, right, teaching and asking questions to these doctors of the law. Uh, when they ask him about it, well, why did you do this? He says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Right, so Jesus, at 12 years old, which is back here, he knows that he must be about his father's business. Right, he came for a purpose, uh, and everyone thinks that purpose is this. And that was definitely a significant purpose, but that wasn't the only purpose. Romans 15.8 says he came to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Right? Uh, this here is a mystery, this gospel, right? Um, and so he came to do his father's business, and he says, don't you know this? Right? Speaking to Mary and Joseph. If you look at John 9, verse 4, Verse 1, it says, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. 
and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is by interpretation sin. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. All right, so he performs this miracle from this blind man. Uh, but he says in verse 3 uh, that the works of God should be made manifest. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. So Jesus says, I came to be about my father's business, and I must work the works of him that sent me. All right, he must work the works of the Father. All right, Jesus came to perform a purpose. Uh, so what is the Father's work would be the question. All right, what is the Father's business? If you go to John 6, 28 through 35... Uh, these are people that are following Jesus, and they're following him because of the miracles that he performed, uh, specifically the uh, blessing the bread and the fish and providing uh, food for them doing that miracle. And so they're, they're following Jesus. And in verse 28, it says, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me. These people asked Jesus, uh, what, must, uh, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which is coming down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. All right, so what is the works of God? He says to believe uh, on him whom he hath sent. All right? Uh, he says, I am the bread of life. Moses gave you manna, or God gave the Father's manna. He said, but I am the bread of life. Right, so the work here is to believe in the one whom he has sent. So what is Jesus' work? To manifest himself as the one sent for them to believe in. Right? That's his purpose, to confirm the promises unto the fathers. Right? To manifest himself as the promised Messiah. Right? That is the work of the Father. That is the Father's business. Right? That is what Jesus came to do right? uh, in his earthly ministry. So if the work of God is believing on whom he has sent, then Jesus' work was to manifest himself as the one sent. Go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 1 through 6. It says, It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their city. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, so you have here the works of Christ that John hears about while he's in prison, uh, John sends two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? All right, so Christ is doing these works, he's doing miracles, he's preaching, he's teaching. Uh, John hears about it in prison, so he sends two of his disciples and says, Ask Jesus if he's the one that should come, or are we going to look for another? Uh, so Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, uh, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor hath the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
That is uh, Jesus proved to John that he is the one that they look for. He says, go back and tell them the blind see, uh, receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the death here, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. All right, so these are the words that he's doing. Uh, this is fulfillment of prophecy. Okay? You go to Isaiah 29, verse 18. That is how Jesus manifested who he was, uh, proving he was the Messiah, by fulfilling the prophets. This is what he came to do, was to fulfill the prophets. Isaiah 29, 18, it says, And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see, out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Alright, so that's part of that prophecy. You have here the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, and the poor having their joy in the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy One of Israel. Um, Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Right, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 5, the uh, poor have the gospel preached unto them. Right? They have the good news preached. Uh, here it says, preach good tidings, which is what gospel means, good tidings, unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Uh, look at Isaiah 8, verse 14 through 15. So you have all these prophecies that Jesus came and fulfilled. I don't think that's the correct Isaiah 26, 19. I might have forgotten to put the book on these references. You said what, Isaiah? Yeah, Isaiah 26, 19. It says, Thy dead men shall live together, with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Alright, so he said in Matthew 11, right, the dead are raised. Here in the prophecies it says, Thy dead men shall live. Right, he raised Lazarus. Uh, he raised several people throughout his earthly ministry. Right, these are the works that he's doing, and you see it prophesied in Scripture. Right, you have all these prophecies prophesied of what the Messiah would do. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, is a prophecy of Jesus raising uh, the nation of Israel. Like he's literally raising them from the dead. Right, so he's manifesting his power through these miracles. And so when John says, uh, we hear the works of Christ, Jesus answered, basically, tell them all these things that I'm doing because he knew John would see he's fulfilling the prophets, right? That he is the one that they look for. Right, so those are the works of the Father, right? To believe in the one whom he has sent, Jesus came to manifest himself as the one sent, right? The one sent to the house of Israel. Uh, the works that I do bear witness of me, is what Jesus says throughout his ministry. If you look at John 5, 36... So again, just proving that Jesus taught, right, the works that I do, they bear witness that I am who I say I am. Right, I am the Messiah. John 5.36, he says, But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. 
Right, so he says, the works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Also notice here a, a hint, a clue to what we're trying to answer. For the works which the Father had given me to finish. Right, what did he say on the cross? It is finished. Right? Uh, it's this work that the Father has given him to do is the answer. Just give it to you now. That's what was finished before he died. Okay? Um, John 10, 25. Jesus answered them, he said, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 37, he says, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. So again, all throughout uh, the Gospel, especially the Gospel of John here, he's talking about these works that I do, they bear witness of me, they're the works that the Father gave me to do, I must finish the work. The work for you to do is to believe in the one that has sent. The works that I do uh, make me manifest. All right, they bear witness of me. He tells John, the works that I do are these things that were prophesied. Right, so you can see how all this works together. The work is clearly Jesus manifesting himself as the Messiah to the nation of Israel. Uh, you look at John 2.11. this beginning of miracles did Jesus and came of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believe on him. So you have him, the miracle that he does here, what does it do? It manifests his glory. Right? That's what the miracles did. It manifested who he was. Right? These fulfilling the prophecies, they manifested the glory that he had uh, and, and showed who he was. In John 20, so this is after the cross, verse 30 through 31, John says the purpose of his book says many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So the purpose of John, and the reason John is different than uh, the other three Gospels, because he specifically wrote to prove and to show that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Right? He had specific miracles, specific works that Jesus did to show he was uh, the Son of God. Right? And that believing in him as the Messiah, you might have life through his name. So that's not for us today. Yes, you do have to believe. It is for us in the fact that you have to believe Jesus was the Christ. But if you just believe Jesus was God, and you're ignorant of his death and resurrection for your sins, you're still yet in your sins. Right? Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, if Christ did not resurrect it, you are yet in your sins. Right, so you can believe he's God, but if you're not trusting in his death or resurrection, if you're ignorant of that, you're yet in your sins because you're not trusting in anything to take care of it. Right, so the purpose of John here was simply to Israel to show this is your Messiah. Right, this is the Son of God. And that's what Jesus came to do, to manifest himself as the Son of God. Right, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So he came to finish his father's work. Right, we saw that, I believe it was in John 9. If you look at John 4, verse 34. 
So this is early in his ministry. This is after he has dealt with the woman at the well. And he tells them, I have meat that you know not of. Tells his disciples that. Says, therefore said the disciples one to another, Had any man brought him halt to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. So Jesus came, he says, My meat is to finish his work. So he came with that purpose to finish the Father's work. And so we'll make this connection to prophecy, Psalms 40, verse 7 through 8. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Right, and so he says, I come in the volume of the book, uh, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will. This is what Jesus is saying. Right, this was a fulfillment of Jesus fulfilled this. Right, he came in the volume of the book, the book is written about him. Right, the prophecies are about him. And he delights to do the will of God, right? The will of his Father. He came to finish the Father's work. If you look at Hebrews 10, 9 through 11, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. So he's quoting Psalms here. It says, He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So Hebrews is talking about Jesus fulfilling prophecy and being that final sacrifice, right, for the nation of Israel. The final atonement sacrifices, right? There's many sacrifices that Israel did. Uh, that Jesus was that atonement sacrifice, right, which was a fulfillment of prophecy, right? It wasn't that he was revealing the mystery here, right? Even in his death and resurrection, he was fulfilling prophecy, right? Uh, so he came to finish the work. That work was to fulfill the prophets, to make himself manifest as the Son of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers. John seventeen four. Verse 3, it says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This is John 17. This is before he's even on the cross. He says, I have finished the work. Right? And here in John 17, uh, it's right before he goes into the garden. So it's like right before he goes to the cross, right? his crucifixion. Uh, so what he's saying here is he's finished his earthly ministry. Right, he's done manifesting himself as the Messiah, doing the miracles. Right, they've rejected him at this point, and he knows it. Right, so he says, I have finished the work which thou gavest to me. I have glorified thee on the earth. Right, that was the work that he was given to do. Right, so fulfilling the prophecies was how he manifested who he was. Right, so we'll look at some of these prophecies. Deuteronomy 18, 18.
says, I will raise him up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Alright, so this is Moses, uh, God speaking to Moses, saying, I will raise him up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee. Alright, so a prophet like Moses. Uh, John 1.45 Says Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So in the beginning of the ministry, Philip tells Nathanael, he says, We found the one that Moses and the law talks about. Right? The one that they prophesied about. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Right, so Philip here is identifying Jesus as the Messiah, right? The one that the law that Moses uh, prophesied about. Acts 3.22, Peter preaching here in Acts. He says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, whom shall you hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul shall not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And so what Peter's preaching here is he's saying, You killed the Messiah. Right? The verses before verse 22, he says, You need to repent because you slew and hanged on a tree the, the Messiah. All right, he says this is the one that the prophets spoke about. And he quotes Deuteronomy 18 there, uh, saying that Jesus was that prophet that uh, God said he would send. Uh, John 17, 8. He says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So notice where, uh, where he says, I have given them the words which thou gavest me. That's what Deuteronomy 18, 18 says. He said, I will send you a prophet, and he will speak the words that I've given him. Right, so Jesus fulfilled that. John 4, 25. So this is just one prophecy that we're looking at, and there's many verses that show Jesus fulfilled it. Uh, this is the woman at the well. It says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. All right, so she knew that the Messiah would tell her all things, and he proceeds to tell her, all right, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. Right? She realized he was the Messiah. Uh, Luke 24, verse 44 through 47. So this is after his resurrection. He doesn't then reveal the mystery. Right? The death and resurrection was a fulfillment of prophecy. Right? There was a secret purpose uh, that we now know today. That was what was revealed to Paul, but it's not what Jesus is proclaiming here when he said it is finished. Uh, Luke 24, 44 says, He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Alright, so if this is Jesus revealing the mystery, he says these are the words that I spoke to you before I died. Alright? So it can't be the mystery here, because he said I was telling you this before I even died. Alright? Uh, that I must fulfill all the things in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms 
concerning me. So those three things, Moses, prophets, and Psalms, they make up the Hebrew Old Testament. It says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Right, so now they can understand the Old Testament prophets and how Jesus fulfilled all of them. It says, and he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but carry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So I just want to show you that this is not uh, the mystery, right? This is not the commission for the church today. This is still prophecy. If you look at Isaiah 53, 7 through 12, so he says in verse 44, I told you that I must fulfill all things written in Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. He says, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Right? So that means there's a prophecy saying that the Messiah, Christ, would suffer, die, and rise from the third day. So get Isaiah 53, verse 7. says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall, shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify me, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, and bare their sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So what you have here is a prophecy of his death and resurrection. Uh, clearly his death in verse 8, where it talks about uh, he was cut off out of the land of the living. Uh, verse 9, he made his grave with the wicked, or it says prophesying his death. Uh, but it's also prophesying his resurrection, because it says in verse 10, he shall prolong his days. Well, how can his days be prolonged if he just died? Right? The pleasure, pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul. Uh, he shall justify many. Therefore will I divide a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Right? How can a dead man do that? So it's a prophecy both of his death and resurrection. Uh, he'll make intercession for the transgressors. Right? He has to be alive to do that. Right? So that's a prophecy there in Isaiah 53 of both his death and his resurrection. Look at Daniel 9.24. So seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Right, so we know that his death had to happen to finish the transgression to make reconciliation and an end of sins, uh, but also talks about to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Right, so how can you anoint the most holy? if he has to die for the transgressions of the people's sin. Because he's going to die, and he's going to resurrect. That's how he can do both. 
Um, 2 Chronicles 29, 24. killed them and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. Alright, so Jesus in Hebrews it talks about fulfilled the atonement sacrifice and that's what this is talking about. Right? The priests made an atonement sacrifice for all of Israel. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was being a sacrifice for all of Israel. Right? To end uh, the sacrifice that the high priest would do year after year. Uh, look at Jeremiah 31, 34. It says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Right, so this is when he establishes the new covenant. Right, he'll forgive their sins and remember them no more. And this is, again, because he would have died for their sins and given that sacrifice. Psalms 22, 27. So in, uh, in Luke 24, it says, it was written that Christ must suffer to rise from the dead the third day. So that was prophesied. And it says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Right, so the new covenant we just read has to do with remission of sins. Right, and here in Luke 22, 27, it says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. So you've got to remember the prophets also spoke of salvation to Gentiles and the nations. Right, but not the way it was revealed to Paul. Right? It's through Israel. Right? That's why he says here in Luke 24, beginning at Jerusalem. Right? Jerusalem is where the kingdom gets established, and that's where remission of sins, that's where the preaching of Jesus Christ as the king, right, that's where that happens at, at Jerusalem. And nations come uh, to Jerusalem to hear that, right? to be saved. Right? And so that's what uh, Psalms 22, 27 says, all the ends of the world... Right, it says go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, prophecy talks about this. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. Right? And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. Right? So again, prophecy is when Christ is king uh, over all the nations. Look at uh, Micah 4, verse 2. It says, And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Alright, so again, that's why it begins at Jerusalem, because the nations are going to come to Jerusalem to learn the law and walk in the paths of the Lord. Alright, that's what it says here. The word of the Lord will go forth of Zion, uh, the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. So it comes out from Jerusalem. That's why Jesus says in Luke 24, beginning at Jerusalem. 
right? Because he's talking here about fulfillment of prophecy. In Isaiah 2, verse 4. shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So again, he shall judge among the nations. Right, Christ will be king over all nations. That's why he's telling uh, the twelve apostles here to go to Jerusalem first, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Right? Uh, it begins at Jerusalem. And he says, until you be endued with power from on high, uh, Joel prophesies about him and giving them his spirit, which is what that talks about. So the point here is everything Jesus says in Luke 24 through 49, it has to do with prophecy. Right? And people will take you to Luke 24, verse 44, and say, see, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? It's not a mystery. Well, nowhere here do you see, go preach my death and resurrection to all nations, right? to every man, Go to the other side of the world first, or it doesn't matter, uh, and tell them faith in that alone, they'll be saved by grace. You're no longer under the law. Right? It's Jew and Gentile on level ground now. You don't see that here. What he's saying here is, it was written, I had to die and resurrect. Now that that's happened, go and preach, preach repentance to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Right? So it starts at Jerusalem, that the kingdom is at hand. Right? It's still what's happening here. Right? And you'll be in due with power, I'll send my spirit on you. Right? So all this has to do uh, with prophecy. So now we're going to make the connection. Go to Luke uh, to John 19. Let's read the phrase, it is finished, in its context to try to make it all make sense. So if you start at verse 28, it says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. And that is the key, right? All things were now accomplished. So now you can say what? It is finished, right? Because all things are now accomplished. Uh, and so he says here, all things are now accomplished, that the scripture must be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it on his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He says, All things were accomplished except for one more. That the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Alright, so you find this in Psalms 22, 15. Again, fulfilling prophecy. says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Right, so this is someone who is thirsty, right? My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Right, this is why Jesus said, I thirst, because the scriptures must be fulfilled. So it says, There was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. You go to Psalm 69:21. There is a prophecy that Jesus was given vinegar to drink. 
It says, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Right, so those are the prophecies that Jesus is fulfilling here when he says, I thirst. They gave him vinegar, which was Psalm 69, 21. It says, after this, right, after all things were accomplished, after he was given the vinegar, then he said, it is finished. Right, so it makes sense to me what is finished here is the Father's business, the Father's work that he came to do, which was to manifest himself to Israel and fulfill the prophets, which is what he says in Luke 24. After he's done everything, God resurrected, he says, I told you when I was yet with you that I must fulfill all things spoken in Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Thus it was written, and it behooved Christ to suffer and to die, and that salvation be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Because now, everything has been fulfilled except for the setting up of the kingdom, which is what he sent his apostles out to do. Right? And that's what you read about in the book of Acts. So does that make sense? What Jesus meant by it is finished? Right. No one at the cross understood it as the finished work of Christ. Right? We trust in his death and resurrection alone. Right? It hadn't happened yet. They didn't even believe in his resurrection after he died. Right? It says Mary came back and told them the stone was rolled away. They didn't believe her. So they went for, to see with their own eyes that Jesus was no longer there. But they didn't believe he was resurrected. They thought someone had stolen the body. It wasn't until Jesus appeared to them that they believed in his resurrection. Right? And so we today understand that that phrase is spiritualized. Uh, we mean it today that right, we trust in the finished work of Christ, which is a true thing to do. Right, Christ finished the work for us today necessary for salvation through his death and resurrection. All right, so when someone says we trust in the finished work of Christ, uh, that is what they are talking about. Um, another, uh, I guess, rebuttal of what I just said that someone might say is, well, Jesus used the word to tell us die there. That's why he was talking about the death and resurrection. Uh, to tell us die, they'll tell you, means paid in full. Um, look at Matthew 26, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples. See the word finished there? It came to pass, he finished all these sayings. That is the word to tell us that. So you're going to tell me, we can read this as it came to pass, when Jesus had paid in full all these sayings doesn't make sense, right? He finished it. He completed it. He fulfilled it. Which is a better meaning that you find the word to tell us that it can mean. According to Strong's Concordance, it can mean to bring to a close, to finish, to end. Which would make sense. To bring to a close his earthly ministry. Because what happens after he resurrects? He makes sure his disciples understand he fulfilled all the prophecies, and then he goes up to heaven. Right, his earthly ministry is what was finished. It's what was fulfilled. It's what was coming to an end. John 17, he says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now it's time for me to go die. Right? If I fulfill all the prophecies, it's finished. I die, I resurrect, I go back to heaven. Right? I ascend to the Father, uh, pour out my spirit, and hope that you repent for the kingdom. Uh, it can mean uh, something past, something finished, to perform, execute, complete, fulfill, uh, with special reference to the subject matter to carry out the contents of a command. Right? Which makes more sense as to what we see in the scripture. Christ came to carry out a command of the Father to make himself manifest as the one sent from the Father, the one to fulfill the problems. 
All right, that makes more sense than paid in full. Uh, rich is not something that you find where it means. It can mean to pay uh, of a tribute. And so you see this word used when Jesus says, render unto uh, Caesar the things that are sacred. Right? Paul says in Romans 13, pay tribute to the governments. Right? And so that word to tell us the they say is used in those references. Right? But you don't find it in the connection to the crossword, or paid in full, um, because that's not what was meant by that phrase. Right? It was something fulfilled, something accomplished, uh, a special reference to the subject matter to carry out the contents of a command. Right? And that's what Jesus did. He accomplished, he fulfilled, he finished the work that he was sent to do, which was to manifest himself uh, as the Messiah. Paul also used the word to tell a sign in 2 Timothy 4, 7, when he says, I have finished my course. Right, he didn't pay his course in full. Right, he finished it. He completed it. It was fulfilled. He was about to die. Right, he says, my time has come. I fulfilled the ministry that Christ has given me to do, which is the same thing Jesus says. I finished the ministry that God has given me. Right? Uh, it's also interesting that you find works after the cross. Right? Uh, Matthew 28, 20. Uh, this, of course, is what is known as the Great Commission, but Jesus says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lay on with you always, even unto the end of the world. Right? So what did God command them? Well, Matthew 5, 17 through 20, uh, he commanded them to keep the law, right? He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right, so you have to keep even the least in these. Matthew 23, 1 through 3. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe... That observe and do, but do not do after their work, for they say and do not. All right. So those that sit in Moses' seat command the law, command what Moses taught. Jesus says, do what they tell you to do. Just don't be a hypocrite. They say it and don't do it. You need to say it and do it. All right. So Jesus taught the law. The disciples in the early part of Acts, Acts two thirty eight. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right, you have to repent and be baptized, because that's what was commanded. Right, baptism doesn't save you, uh, but if your faith is in what God has said at this point in time, you are going to be baptized, because that's what God had commanded to do. You repent and be baptized to be cleansed, to be washed, right, so that you can be a priest in the kingdom. Acts 5, 1 through 11, you won't read the passage, but that's about Ananias and Sapphire. What were they commanded to do? They were commanded to have all things in common. Well, Ananias and Sapphire kept back some of the money for themselves because they were greedy, right? So they lied to the Holy Spirit, and they were struck down dead for it. Right? If you don't give money to a church, you're not going to be struck down dead today, right? Uh, that was something that they had to do uh, to show that they had true faith, right, in the kingdom. 
but they were greedy and they loved this world more than God. Acts 21 20. It says, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. So what you have here in Jerusalem, this is James, who was uh, working with the twelve apostles there. He kind of becomes the leader of that group, it seemed like, as you read the book of Acts. Uh, he says, look at all these Jews, they're zealous of the law. All right, so this is still happening, they're still teaching the law in Jerusalem, even the twelve apostles. James 2.24 was written to the 12 tribes of Israel. And James tries to make the point. He says, he see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. All right, so they had to have faith that worked. Right, because their faith was in the law. Right? It was in the covenant. It was in what God had given them to do. And it had to do with works. 1 John 2.3 John says, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Alright, so we have commandment keeping that John taught in 1 John. So these are all works after the cross, and they have to do with Israel's covenant. Alright, their New Testament, there was works that they were required to do if they wanted to enter into the kingdom. Right, and this is what they're teaching uh, in the early part of Acts, ministering to uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, the mystery was revealed later to Paul, which we've already covered, uh, but there's verses there again for you to go over. It's very clear it was revealed later. All right, again, you have a seven-year period. This is Acts 1 through 8 right, happening here on this timeline where they're keeping the law. They're keeping the new covenant, right? Um, and so it's not that they understood it was finished as we speak about it today, right? They understood what was finished was that Christ came, manifested himself as the Messiah, and so now we're going preaching the kingdom, right? Because he's come. That work is finished, right? He's fulfilled the prophecy. Uh, so that's what they understood. Uh, and then by the cross is different than at the cross. Right? So that's the key here for understanding uh, what Paul teaches in Ephesians 2, 12. He says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself a twain, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in the body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. So notice here it's by his blood and by the cross. That's different than at the cross. Okay? By the cross means, yes, it's by the cross that we have salvation today. But it wasn't at the cross that that was known. Right? But it is by that. So that's what we do today. We spiritualize it. The finished work of Christ. Right? We're reading back into what Christ did here because that is what we preach today. But it wasn't revealed there. It's not what Jesus was saying there. Right, so you just need to have that understanding. And the reason I wanted to teach this lesson is so that when you say it is finished, everybody knows what's in John 19 on the cross. Right? So that's when the mystery and the church started. Right? Because that's when it was finished. Now, it was finished. Yes, the work was finished, but it wasn't revealed until later. 
and when Jesus said it is finished, he was talking about the prophecies that he fulfilled, right? The work that he came to work, the work of the Father to manifest himself as the one sent, right? And the glory of the Father, right? And then later, he reveals the mystery to Paul after these seven years of Israel rejecting it, right? Rejecting him, rejecting the apostles filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? All right, any thoughts or questions?